This is your morning wake-up call on Sports Country. Grab a cup of coffee and hang with us every weekday morning for the latest news, sports, and other things going on around the world and in your backyard. Now, here's your host, Gene Gums. Well, good morning, everybody. It is six minutes past nine o'clock here in Hayesville, North Carolina. Welcome to a Thursday morning wake-up call on Sports Country Radio. It's 4-2-0 day <laughs> for, the, for those of you that partake. The 20th day of April 2023. Uh, thanks for joining us for a few minutes this morning as uh, we talk about the world of sports and uh, some other things going on. Uh, Great news. Uh, they made an arrest yesterday. Uh, I'm sure you all heard about that shooting down in uh, Alabama at a Sweet 16 party where uh, four people were killed and uh, 32 people were injured. Uh, they've arrested two teenagers, 16-year-old, a 17-year-old, and somebody who was 20. Um, no idea about, uh, they haven't talked about motive or anything like that, but it's just, you know, here we go again, and th these people that, that did the shooting weren't even invited to the party and don't know what the tie-in is, but uh, just, you know, here we go again. The uh, uh, 16th mass shooting that we had in the United States this year, and then, of course, we had another one on Tuesday up, that became the 17th. That was up in Maine uh, where a guy had been released from prison and shoots his parents a day after he gets out, and uh, the people that he was staying with, which are friends of his parents, killed them too. And then started shooting at motorists on the highway. It's like, God almighty. It's like one thing after another. 88 people have died in these mass killings so far this year. Uh, just insanity. I mean, and, and, you know, we had a few of them that were uh, mistaken identity. I mean, this cheerleader that got shot down in Texas because she got in the wrong car in a parking lot, got out of the car, apologized. Like, oh, geez, she realized she was in the wrong car. Goes in and gets in the right car. The guy that was in the passenger seat of the car that she got in mistakenly, gets out, comes over to the other car, and shoots him. Uh, fortunately, they were just wounded, but still, I mean, just good God almighty. And on the heels of that, uh, Washington State yesterday passed a semi-automatic rifle ban in the state. Um, and it uh, would block the sale, distribution, manufacture, and importing of more than 50 gun models, including the AR-15 style uh rifles um it does not by the way bar possession of weapons by people who already have them so for those people that want to say they're going to come and take your guns away this isn't about that this is about making sure that what's out there stays out there and we we don't have any more why we can't do this across the country is beyond me but maybe we're getting to that point i mean uh, and the law is going to go into effect immediately um you know, we've already got several states that have these bans. Colorado is considering one as well. Uh, might be a little bit tougher out in Colorado where things are a little bit more conservative. And um, even in Texas, they're, they're considering gun restrictions because of what happened at Uvalde. And, uh, and look, you know, here's the thing. 
and I don't want to belabor this. We'll get to some other news here in a second. But um, when we have young people, when we have our children protesting and marching in the streets and saying, hey, you need to fix this so we don't have to be scared to go to school. You know, I know as adults we think we know better than our children, and in most cases we do. But when our children have to worry about going to school and when we have to worry about sending our children off to school, we got to do something. We, we just got to. I mean, it's enough. And, and again, you know, like in Washington State, we're not going to come to the, everybody's houses and take your guns away. I grew up in a house with guns. My father owned guns. But my father also worked, uh, was a member of the NRA. But my father taught safety classes hunter safety classes, gun safety classes. You know, I mean, you know, it's it's uh, my father, you know, my father wasn't a saint, but my father didn't mess around with guns. And my father knew that if you were going to have them, you needed to, to know the proper way to use them, to store them. Uh, and, and those are the kinds of things. You know, I'm not anti-gun. I'm anti-idiot. I'm anti-putting guns in the hands of people that have no business having guns. Um. And look, you know, bad people are going to get guns when they want them or not, but we need to make it much more difficult for them to get them. We just we just do. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm praying for the, that uh, cheerleader in Texas. They had to remove part of her spleen. This girl is, uh, I guess, supposedly some kind of outstanding uh, cheerleader in uh, international or national competitions. And uh, she was born with just one lung, and now she gets shot and has to lose part of her spleen because of some guy, you know, gets out of his car because she got in the wrong car. Unbelievable. All right, sports. Uh, Tiger Woods uh, had another surgery <laughs> somewhere in the, now he's probably, uh, you know, I don't know how many he's had, but, you know, I, I guarantee you it's probably more than I can count on two hands. You know, stemming from uh, that horrific car accident that he had, uh, the other car accident that he had when he was drunk, <laughs> uh, when he was married uh, to his wife, um, you know, and, and now he had one, it's called a, a fusion surgery on his right ankle to alleviate arthritis from a broken bone. Uh, and look, it's been painful to watch him play, uh, watching him try to play at the masters and as badly as he was limping. Oh my God. I mean, whether you like Tiger Woods or not, it's just watching him, uh, limp like that in the obvious pain that he was in trying to play. It was just, it was, it was brutal, you know, and then everybody says, well, the rest of the majors are in doubt. Who cares at this point, if you're Tiger Woods and I know, you know, he wants to play and I know he's got that competitive drive, but at the end of the day, Tiger Woods is a father. Tiger Woods is still what? 46, 47 years old. He's got a lot of life ahead of him. He needs to worry about whether he can walk and, and, and live a normal, semi-normal life uh, and be able to get around for the rest of his life. You know, who cares about golf at this point? Really, well, you know, it's you know, you know it, it's going to take 8 to 12 weeks, which you know, he's obviously not going to play in the PGA, and can he play in the U.S.? Who cares? You know, I'm sure he would like to go out and win one more tournament so that he could have the all-time record for most tournaments won in a career. I mean, obviously, the major thing, you know, the, the the most major championships, that's out the window because of the injuries. But at this point, you know, if you're Tiger Woods, hey, look, I just want to be able to walk without being in pain. 
Uh, so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, I, I hope it works for him. Um, before we uh, get to action from last night, word has come down that the Oakland Athletics have purchased 49 acres of land in Las Vegas, fairly close to the Strip, and they are going to be moving the team to Las Vegas. They are planning to build a stadium down there with a retractable dome that is going to seat between 30 and 35,000 people, and their time in Oakland is over. And all I can say to that is, thank God. You know, I mean, look, uh, you know, they have been playing in an absolute dump for years. The Oakland Raiders left. The Golden State Warriors left. And now the athletics are leaving. And the city council and, and you know, is all, oh, I wish they had been, uh, if they, they had negotiated with us better as a true party. Look, time and time again, the Oakland Athletics ownership went to the city council with various plans to redevelop uh, areas along the waterfront down there to try to build a new stadium and try to come up with a way to do this. And it wasn't going to happen whether it was because they were trying to get Oakland to pay for it or whether, you know, whatever it is, to say that they didn't try is asinine. Their lease at the Oakland Coliseum is up after the 2024 season. So essentially what it means is uh, the Athletics have one more year and then they will be gone. And uh, it'll be the fourth home for that franchise. Of course, they started as the Philadelphia Athletics, right? Um, And uh, they moved to Kansas City. And then they moved to Oakland. And now they will be the Las Vegas A's. And uh, this also is going to open the door for Major League Baseball. Uh, They have wanted to expand, and they said they were not going to do that until the situation in Oakland and Tampa have been settled. Oakland looks like it is settled. Tampa looks like it's really close to being settled. It looks like they're going to uh, – they've got some plans in place down there that look like they're going to fly. So, um, you know, and and at the end of the day, it's it's better for baseball. You can't continue to have, uh, you know, games where there's, you know, 5,000 people in the stands. You just can't. I mean, it's it's embarrassing. And look, uh, <laughs> they're three and sixteen. So, can you blame people for not wanting to come out? Right. Uh, by the way, they they have in those nineteen games that they've played this year, they've been outscored by eighty six runs, which is the worst performance by a team in Major League Baseball through nineteen games since eighteen ninety nine. Their average attendance for the first twelve home games this season is 11,000 people. The league average is 28,000 people. They haven't drawn 2 million people there since 2014. And the only other time they did it 
was uh, I think was in 2005. So you know, what do you, what do you you know? I mean, uh, what do the people in Oakland expect? You know, and and it means that Oakland no longer has a professional sports team. I mean, you know, now I saw a thing on. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but uh, I saw a, a statement on Twitter, and you know he's you know the the, the comment is kind of right. You know, you're moving him to Vegas, which is fine. You know, it's so you know it's like the hot place to be right now. Um, of course, nobody ever wanted to be there because of you know because of oh my god, it was gambling there. Well, now that gambling's legal everywhere in America, uh, everybody's there, right? We got the Raiders. Now you're going to have the A's. Uh, you've, you've got an NHL expansion team in, in the Golden Knights. Um, so, you know, it's it's a hot place to be. But what's interesting, you know, and, and um, I mean, they're fine, you know, but it's like now the A's, what kind of identity are they going to have is, you know, there's like they're going to be like a generic team. It's kind of like the Raiders. You know, the Raiders always had that um, that persona of, you know, the uh, the black you know the silver and black. You know the, uh, the the bad boys from Oakland, and you know there was a swagger about them being uh, uh, from from Oakland. Now they're just man. You know now they're in Oakland, and w- what do they have? They're just a generic team. There's nothing special about them. You know, and make no mistake, there is a great baseball tradition in Oakland. I mean, look at those those great teams from the '70s. You know, with, uh, you know, Catfish Hunter and, and uh, you know, Reggie Jackson and Ricky Henderson and uh, Sal Bando and all these great players that from the 70s and 80s that played in Oakland. You know, that's all gone. It's all gone. Um, but it's about time. And, uh, and, and by the way, the news uh, of, of them moving to uh, officially moving to Las Vegas didn't help the team win. They ended up getting hammered uh, by the Chicago Cubs yesterday, twelve to two. Twelve to two. Uh, Dansby Swanson with a big game in that one. Uh, Eric Hosmer hit a home run for God's sake uh, <laughs> in this game. Uh, but uh, the Cubs sweep the uh, uh, the Athletics out there, and uh, I mean, you know, the Cubs are. Have, are on a, on a roll. They've won four in a row. Of course, three of them is against Oakland, so you can't get too carried away. But the Cubs are 11-6 and six to start the season, and the A's fall to 3-16. and 16. Um, I, You know, at the end of the day, if even if they move to Vegas, if the A's don't spend more money than the $58 million that they are spending this year, it isn't going to matter where they play. Nobody's going to care because they're going to still stink. You know, their entire payroll is less than what the Mets are paying Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander combined. Think about that for a minute. $58 million. So, you know, unless there is an, uh, a commitment to change the way that they do business, it's not going to matter. Now, Mike, you know, and, and of course, if they do, then what you know the deal was is that the fix was in and the A's were tanking on purpose with the idea of 
moving, forcing a move from Oakland, making it so there was no chance they were going to stay in Oakland because they didn't want it anymore. You know, and and I get, you know, what a dump that stadium is. And if the A's move, oh, no, not if. Now that the A's are moving, there is nowhere else you can go than to look at the city council and say, hey, look, they tried. And every time they prevented, you know, presented something, you threw up roadblocks, you know. And, and how much of this was a, you know, a public versus private financing? Who knows? And the, uh, the word is, is that the stadium they are going to build down there um, is going to be some kind of a combination of private and public financing. You know, I mean, Oakland tried to, to they tried to do something in Oakland. Then they thought about maybe moving to San Jose or to Fremont or something like that. And uh, they then they wanted the waterfront, and that wasn't going to happen either. Um, and Rob Manfred has said they don't have to pay any kind of a relocation fee. So, you know, we'll see what happens. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, whatever the public-private partnership is to fund the stadium there – it had to happen, you know, and in, in Tampa, something had to happen down there. And if, and if they don't eventually get that stadium done and, and things aren't going in the next few years, you could see them moving too. Because I think Rob Manfred really wants to expand, but he's not going to do it until he's sure that he knows where these other teams are going to wind up. Because if, for instance, if Oakland had figured out their situation there and Tampa had figured out their situation there and nobody moved there was no doubt that Las Vegas was going to get an expansion team you know and now if things stay as they are there's a good chance that I think Nashville's probably going to get a team I think there's a very good chance and then I think that the uh, the next best choices are going to be either Portland Oregon or Charlotte, North Carolina. I think those are the the three likely scenarios for the two expansion teams when uh, when it comes. But it looks like it's it's going to happen now. Uh, all right, uh, other things that happened last night: the NHL playoffs. The Boston Bruins were there's no other way to put it. They were awful last night. They got out hustled last night. Now they were still tied two two uh, at the end of two periods. And, you know, they, they kept falling behind, and every time they fell behind, they would figure out uh, a way to get it back. You know, uh, Brad Marchand tied it up at one with a shorthanded goal. Tyler Bertuzzi scores in the power play late in the second, so we're tied 2-2 going into the third. And you're just saying to yourself, the way the Bruins have played all year long, this you know, the Bruins are going to find a way. Well, Florida scored the next four goals, and the Bruins just look lost. And, and you cannot blame this. You know, I kept seeing – tweets last night saying well you know they got to get Patrice Bergeron back you know he didn't play last night again and got to have him back got to have him back hey look the Bruins won games all season with various guys out there were games that Pasternak didn't play and Marshawn and 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 Bergeron and you know so many got Taylor Hall was out for so many guys missed games and the Bruins still found a way to set an NHL record for wins and points in the season so you cannot use Patrice Bergeron as an excuse they just played like horse crap last night. Uh, by the way, they only lost one other game at home by more than one goal all year. All year. So, you know, 
that was just, you know, that's one of those. It's almost easier, I guess, if you're the Bruins, it's almost easier to look at that game, flush it, and say, move on. You know, it's, sometimes it's harder to swallow a one-goal loss in overtime than it is the fact that you got your ass kicked. So uh, games three and four are this weekend. Uh, game three on Friday, game four on Sunday. They are both now in Florida. And the Bruins, you know, look, uh, everything that you did in the regular season, if you don't advance in the playoffs and at least get to the Stanley Cup Finals, it means absolutely nothing. And President's Trophy winners in the NHL, the teams with the most points, don't have a history of doing well in the playoffs. There have been numerous examples of, uh, of, of those teams losing in the first round or in the second round. Bruins got have got to uh, eliminate that. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes, speaking of games that are hard to swallow, if you are the New York Islanders, this one's going to hurt. Uh, Jesper Fast with a goal five minutes into the overtime period last night, and the Carolina Hurricanes beat the New York Islanders four to three in uh, Game Two of their playoff series, uh, and uh, now the, that series will shift to New York uh, and the Islanders' home ice this weekend for Games Three and Four. And uh, that's a tough one last night. No question about it. The uh, the Hurricanes now have a 2 nothing lead in this series. They have a stranglehold on it. And, uh, look, the Islanders have the next three at home. Or, excuse me, the next two at home. And they've got to win them both. And good luck with that. This is a very, very good Hurricanes team. So the Hurricanes win that one last night 4-3. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers bounce back after losing game one to the Kings. They win last night 4-2. Uh, to and the Dallas Stars crushed the Minnesota Wild last night. Final in that one was 7-3. to three. Uh, NBA playoffs last night. The Milwaukee Bucks didn't have Giannis last night. He, he was uh, sore lower back. He bruised lower back. That game one injury didn't matter last night. The Bucks beat the Miami Heat to tie that series up last night. 138-122. to 122. The Bucks scored 81 points in the first half. 81 they led 81-55 at the half. Uh, they matched an NBA record for three-pointers in a game. They went 25 for 49 from three-point range last night. Oh, my God. Brooke Lopez, 25 points. Uh, Drew Holiday with 24. And uh, they win this one easily. Uh, and now, if you are the Heat, uh, you were hoping that Giannis was going to be out. You could take that 2 nothing lead and give yourself an opportunity perhaps to win this series. It's over. Just put a fork in him. Uh, the Lakers lose last night. The Memphis Grizzlies bounce back. They win 103-93. to That's despite not having John Morant last night. Uh, LeBron James did everything he could for the Lakers, 28 points, 12 rebounds. Uh, but the uh, Grizzlies tie that series at one apiece. And the Denver Nuggets uh, rolled the Minnesota Timberwolves last night. A big third period, uh, or big fourth quarter, I should say, in this one. The difference, the Nuggets come back to win this one, 122-113. to That's after Minnesota had put up a 40-point third quarter uh, to make it a hell of a game. Uh, but uh, the Nuggets end up winning it. Uh, it was not a good night in Boston with the Bruins' loss. 
And the Red Sox starting pitchers doing what Red Sox starting pitchers have done damn near all season long. We'll talk about that when we come back. You're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 32 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Um, well, the roller coaster ride that is the Boston Red Sox continues a day after uh, Chris Sale put up uh, the best or the perhaps the second best start by a Red Sox pitcher, our starting pitcher all season long, Garrett Whitlock, uh, with that uh, brilliant start this week as well. Uh, there was some optimism, right? You know, Corey Kluber had pitched a little bit better his last time out. There was some thought that, you know, maybe he had figured things out. Yeah, not so much. Uh, he ends up giving up three runs in the first, four more in the third. It's 7 nothing after two and a half. 7 nothing after two and a half. I mean, give him credit, I guess. You know, he pitches a scoreless fourth and fifth, although he had to dance a little bit around that, uh, some more trouble to get out of it and not have it be worse. Uh, but he exits after throwing 103 pitches in five innings, seven runs, six hits, walked two guys, gave up two bombs. And here we go again. Red Sox pitchers have allowed 25 runs in the first inning. That's an ERA of 11.84 in the first inning this season. That is the worst in baseball. That is worst than the 3 and 16 Oakland Athletics. And look, Corey Kluber, we knew he was going to pitch the contact. That's the kind of pitcher he is now. This is not the old Corey Kluber, you know, of winning back-to-back Cy Young award winners, you know, awards when he was with the Cleveland Indians. This is the Corey Kluber that now throws the ball uh, 90 miles an hour instead of 98 miles an hour. And, you know, but the difficult part is Corey Kluber is a guy who doesn't walk people. He walked just 3% of the batters he faced last season with Tampa. He walked just 21 guys in 33 starts. He's made, what, five starts for the Red Sox. He's already walked eight guys. You know, it's it's just it's any he, any he hit a couple of guys. It's just not the same guy. And, and it it can't. You know, there's guys that want to blame Dave Bush, the pitching coach. You know that it's his fault. It's you know, Corey Kluber knows what he needs to do. This guy is a veteran. This isn't. Some, it's not like he had to come there and you know he's been a train wreck and you know and Dave Bush had to help figure it out. It's, it has nothing to do with that. This just has to do with guys hitting people, walking people. You can't constantly do that and expect to succeed. You know, and Alex Cora talked about that in the, the post-game press conference last night. He said, you know, the problem is, he said at the end of the day, it's about the walks and all the other stuff that comes before the big swings. He said, when we pitch ahead in the first inning, then we do a good job. That's not rocket science, folks. That's the, that's the way pitching has been uh, since pitching began. Till we fall behind, we get crushed. No kidding. You know, talk about, you know, thank you, Captain Obvious. 
And then Ryan Brazier, who, you know, again, give people, you know, a little sign of hope. It, you know, his last couple of outings hadn't been too bad. And he comes in in the sixth. And any chance the Red Sox had of getting back into this thing were over in the sixth inning when Ryan Brazier gives up a three spot. And now, instead of it being a 7-2 to two game, it's a 10-2 to two game going into the bottom of the sixth. And it's just, it's, it's over. You know, and the fans, you know, leaving, you know, and, and the fans are more more concentrating on yelling, let's go Bruins, than they are on the Boston Red Sox game. Now, having said all that, the Red Sox still have an opportunity to win the series today. Tanner Houck will get the start. He'll go against Kenta Maeda. Kenta Maeda is not the guy that he used to be. Uh, the Red Sox have an opportunity here to still win the series. And at the end of the day, if you go through an entire season and you win every series, you're making the playoffs. So there is an opportunity here. But Tanner Houck, who has struggled mightily walking guys this year and actually did the same thing even when he was in the bullpen because, you know, he's got a lot of break on his ball, but he can't control the damn thing, you know, it's it's a recipe for the, you know, next thing you know, you're down two runs or three runs at the end of the first inning again. And this is a very good Minnesota lineup. This is not the Oakland Athletics or, you know, uh, or, or the Pittsburgh Pirates. I can't even say the Pirates because the Pirates kicked the crap out of the Red Sox. Uh, bright spot if you want one last night, I guess. Uh, Emmanuel uh, Valdez comes up from the minors. Uh Christian Arroyo's got a hamstring issue, so they brought him up. And he had a couple of hits. Did make an error, too, by the way, but he had a couple of hits. Uh, another bright spot, Jaron Duran continues to swing the bat well. Had his third double since coming back up. Drove in a run. I mean, that there's a bright spot. Uh, Kike Hernandez with a couple of hits. He's finally got the batting average up to 200. Yay! Uh, hit his 100th career home run last night. Also drew a walk. You know, so there's some positive signs. I guess another positive sign if you want one, and we're fishing, but why not? Uh, Tristan Casas drew a couple of walks last night. He went over two, but he didn't strike out, and he got on base a couple of times with the walks. But he's hitting 130. And I know the Red Sox have committed that this is our first baseman. And I'm not saying, you know, that they need to pull the plug, but you do have to start wondering when do you pull the plug? Do you pull the plug? Do you swallow a guy hitting under 200 all season long because of the great promise that he's shown and the way he's torn up minor league pitching? What do you do? Because you really don't have a plan B. If your plan B is Bobby Dahlbeck, uh, we have realized over the last few years that he ain't the answer. Makes people wish they had Eric Hosmer back, perhaps. But there's no plan B here. So I don't know what the Red Sox do if if he can't turn it around. And I hope the kid turns it around. He's, I, I mean, you know, um, he, he's a pretty good – he's shown he's gotten to be a pretty good first baseman. He's gotten better and better uh, defensively. Um, if, if his infielders would stop uh, skipping throws over there, it would be much appreciated on his part, I'm sure. Um you know, and, and but the thing is, is everybody talked about how great his eye was at the plate. Well, the other night he struck out four times. You know, his, he is chasing pitches a lot more this year 
than he did last year. He's pressing. He's hitting 130. How can you not? Uh, and then news out of the minors. I mentioned yesterday they were going to – James Paxton was going to make a, another rehab uh, performance or appearance for uh, Worcester. And they decided they were going to bring him out of the bullpen. They were going to have somebody else start, and he was going to come in in the second inning out of the bullpen as an idea of a maybe we might need him to relieve at some point. <laughs> well, uh, if last night is any indication, that needs to go out the window. He lasted just two-thirds of an inning last night, gave up seven earned runs, five hits, one of them a home run, and he walked two guys. They wanted him to pitch five innings in relief. Lasted two-thirds of an inning. So uh, if there were thoughts that Paxton might be back after one more rehab assignment, think again. We may want to, may want to fine-tune that a little bit more because that was putrid uh, last night. But again, look, sucks. 9 and 10. Roller coaster ride. It's going to be that way all year. Buckle up. But uh, they can still win the series tonight, and that's or this afternoon actually. It's a one o'clock start in Boston. They've got to get that done today. They just have to. Uh, the Yankees win. Uh, Aaron Judge two run bomb. Where have we heard that before? But he also with a big defensive play, he robbed Shohei Otani of a home run to center field, uh, second batter of the game. And just to the right of the four oh eight foot sign, jumps up, pulls it back. And uh, the Yankees win it 3-2. to two. And uh, where have we heard that before? So the Yankees uh, get a good performance out of their starting pitcher last night. Uh, and and it, was, it was something that they really needed. Johnny Brito got the start. He was awful last week when he made his first one. But he went uh, pitched into the fifth inning. Only went four and a third. But... Uh, threw 84 pitches, but he only gave up one run on three hits. He did walk three guys, but at least he kept them in the game. And then the bullpen does a great job uh, last night, and the Yankees win it in the ninth inning on a walk-off sacrifice fly uh, by Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres, who had been in a major funk, didn't get a hit, um, but uh, what a disastrous inning uh, for the uh, uh, Matt Moore and the Angels' bullpen. Matt Moore comes on with the... Uh, uh, and and uh, or actually it was in the tenth inning. He comes on with that runner at second base, uh, gets an out, and then he intentionally walks Aaron Judge, which is the smart thing to do. Well, then Anthony Rizzo's up. What does he do? He plunks him, so the bases are loaded. Sets up the sacrifice fly, uh, and the uh, Yankees walk it off in the tenth inning. They win that one by a final of three to two. Uh, the Tampa Bay Rays. The beatings go on. They beat the Cincinnati Reds last night, eight nothing. After losing the first game of that series, they have shut the Reds out the last two games. Um, it is their second straight shutout. It is already six shutouts this season for the Rays. They had ten all of last year. They've already got six in nineteen games. That ties a record in professional baseball. You could call it Major League Baseball, I guess. Uh, it ties the most shutouts in the team's first 19 games. It matches the 1876 St. Louis Browns. We all remember them, right? Uh, it was also done by the Cleveland Indians in 1966 and the Texas Rangers in 1981. Six shutouts already in 19 games. They also lead the league, uh, the majors, by the way, with 133 runs scored. 
and they have allowed just 50. 50. Um, so the Reds drop to uh, four games under 500. They had actually gotten off to a fairly decent start. Um, and that is the first time they have been held uh, scoreless in consecutive games since 2019. Uh, and, and, and here's another team, by the way. Look, they're not moving out of Cincinnati. We know that, okay? But you want to look at a problem with teams that don't spend money, and the Reds are right there with, with the worst of them. That entire series, the three-game series, drew 32,000 people. 32,000 people. That is the uh, lowest for a series at Riverfront uh, in, in, since Riverfront Stadium back in 1985. So, again, you know, much like the A's, you put crap on the field, nobody's going to come watch it. They're just not. Uh, the Rays will be off today. They start a homestand on Friday. They will welcome the uh, Chicago White Sox to town. And uh, the Reds will start a dumb off on Thursday today in Pittsburgh, uh, a start of a four-game weekend series with the Pittsburgh Pirates. It is 45 minutes past the hour. We're going to take a break. Back in a minute, you're listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country. It is 47 minutes past the hour. Welcome back to the Wake Up Call here on a Thursday morning. Uh, quick note, no show tomorrow. Uh, we've got a couple of things I need to get done, uh, so I will not be here tomorrow. So uh, we will be back on Monday, but no show tomorrow. Um, the Astros in Toronto, great game until <laughs> the eighth inning. Uh, it was a 2-1 game going into the bottom of the eighth, and Houston put up a six spot off of the Toronto blue, uh, bullpen in the bottom of the eighth. Uh, Jeremy Pena with a three-run home run to highlight that uh, six-run inning. And the uh, Astros end up running away to win this one easily by a final of 8-1. to one. Jose Barrios got the start for Toronto. It was great. Uh, best start of the season for him. Went seven innings, gave up just three hits and two runs. Um, and uh, looked really, really good. But Luis Garcia for Houston was better. Seven shutout innings allowed just two hits. He struck out nine and walked one. Uh, good job out of the bullpen. Not so much for Toronto. Zach Pop and Adam Sim- Simber uh, combined to give up six runs, five hits, uh, and a walk in that uh, six-run eighth inning. And the uh, Astros win it by a final of 8-1. to one. Houston finally uh, looks like they're getting things together. They are game under 500. Think about that, folks. You know, the defending World Series champions – have the same record as the Boston Red Sox, right? So there's hope, right? I think the Red Sox wish they had Houston's lineup, but uh, they have a nine and ten record. But they are uh, uh, just three and a half games out of first place, and only a half a game behind those uh, Angels who lost to the Yankees yesterday. Uh, the Blue Jays are off today. They have a three-game series against the Yankees coming up this weekend. Astros also off today, and then they have a big series coming up this weekend, a three-game series against the Atlanta Braves. The Orioles win again. Yes, folks, the Baltimore Orioles are 11-7. and Anybody that thought last year was a fluke, Forget it. They win again. Their second straight shutout. They shut out the Nationals again. I guess we have to take into consideration who they're shutting out. But, hey, at the end of the day, they'll take it. A 4 nothing win over the Washington Nationals. Kyle Bradish, six innings, five hits, no runs, struck out six. Good job out of that bullpen. Mackenzie Gore was pretty good as a starter for Washington, um, but walks got to him. He gave up three runs on three hits, but uh, four walks 
uh, really hurt him in those six innings. So he takes the loss, and the Orioles with the uh, 4-0 win. Um, then <laughs> there is Max Scherzer. And in what it was just a bizarre game in the afternoon out in Los Angeles, Max Scherzer was ejected from this game in the fourth inning when the umpires checked his hands. And, you know, look, he, uh, there was a, a, it started in the second inning, right? So they check his hands after the second inning and home plate umpire Phil Cuzzy determined that they thought his hands were, were stickier and darker than normal. So he ordered Scherzer to go wash his hands. And Scherzer did. He washed his hands with alcohol, he said, with a Major League Baseball official there watching him do it. But after the third inning, now because he determines that the pocket of Scherzer's glove was sticky, likely with too much rosin, so he ordered Scherzer to change gloves. So he did it. Then the umpire checked him again before the fourth inning even started, and he said his hands were even worse than before. Now, Scherzer says, look, and he swore in his children's lives that the only thing on his hands were sweat and rosin. And he said that, you know, he said, I knew I was going to get checked before the fourth inning. They'd already had me wash my hands and change my gloves. He said, I'd have to be an absolute idiot to use anything else. He said, I literally go out there with sweat and rosin, and I got ejected. Now, his comment about he'd have to be an idiot to use anything else, he's absolutely right. Uh, Did he? He says he didn't. Uh, And here's the thing. If Major League Baseball determines that he did, he gets a 10-game suspension. And he's already called this a legal thing. So you already know if they try to suspend him for 10 games, uh, he is going to get, you know, somebody involved. Uh, And the umpires stick by it. They said, no pun intended, but they said, that as far as stickiness goes, they say that was the stickiest uh, the crew chief said since I've been inspecting hands, which now goes back three seasons. He said, compared to the first inning, the level of stickiness was so bad that when we touched his hand, our fingers were sticking to his hand. And whatever was on there remained on our fingers afterwards for a couple of innings where you could still feel that the fingers were sticking together. So who's right? Who's lying? Who's not lying? Could it just be sweat and rosin that causes it? I have no idea. But Scherzer's right. If he did go out there in the fourth inning with something else on his hands, he is an absolute idiot after what they did. But, hey, look, at the end of the day, didn't matter. Mets won the game 5-3. I mean, Scherzer's obviously upset, but Jimmy Iacobonis comes out of the bullpen uh, on an emergency basis and throws two and two-thirds innings, only gives up a couple of hits. Um, and uh, Adam Adovino gave up a ninth inning homer, but he still ends up getting the save, and they end up beating the Dodgers 5-3. And uh, the Dodgers are now 9-10. and But when you look at that lineup they threw out there yesterday, there was no Mookie Betts uh, because Mookie Betts is on paternity leave. But you look at this uh, lineup, there were only two guys in that lineup yesterday that had any kind of significant contribution to their team that won 111 games last year. They've lost 8 of 12. They didn't They didn't lose their 10th game last season until May 12th. Um, but 
And you wonder, look, there's been a lot of grumbling out there about, you know, Dave Roberts. A lot of people not a fan of Dave Roberts. That, that the Dod- They say the Dodgers win despite Dave Roberts. Could he be in the hot seat? Don't know. Uh, the Mets open a uh, series with the San Francisco Giants today. It is a four-game series that will stretch over the weekend. And the Dodgers open a four-game series at the Chicago Cubs starting tonight. That's a Cubs team that has been playing very, very well. Uh, and uh, if they go out there and don't perform well, there is going to be some rumbling uh, about uh, what's going on in that dugout in Los Angeles. Uh, the Padres beat Atlanta yesterday one nothing, And so the Atlanta Braves' win streak ends at 8 Juan Soto accounts for the only run of this game, a fourth-inning home run off of Charlie Morton. Morton gave up six, uh, went six innings, gave up just five hits and a run, uh, but takes the loss because the bats could do nothing off of Nick Martinez. Martinez, seven shutout innings, gave up just three hits, uh, and then Josh Hader pitches a scoreless ninth inning. He does walk a guy, but he picks up his fifth save of the season, and the Padres end up winning this one. One to nothing. The Padres, another team, much as expected. Everybody's got the Dodgers and Padres fighting it out for the NL West crown, right? Well, Dodgers are nine and ten. Padres are nine and eleven. Padres have won just three of their last ten games, uh, and both teams are looking up at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Go figure. Uh, let's see. The uh, Brewers win. They beat the uh, Seattle Mariners yesterday, five three. Eric Lauer with a great start. Uh, for the Milwaukee Brewers, and they need that with all the injuries that have been going on to that Milwaukee starting rotation. They needed Lauer to step up big, and he did that yesterday. Uh, and the only mistake he made, a two-run home run to uh, Julio Rodriguez in the third inning. But outside of that, he was really, really good. Didn't Matter of fact, didn't even give up another hit until the eighth inning. Uh, the Phillies win yesterday. They beat the White Sox 5-2. Trey Turner, three hits, including a home run, also made a couple of uh, great defensive plays. Taiwan Walker pitched into the seventh inning, and uh, Mike Clevenger got beat around, uh, which a lot of people are very happy to hear uh, for for the White Sox as the Phillies win that one 5-2. The Phillies, again, NLCS champions last year, 8-11. So uh, the teams that everybody expects – to contend for the National League title all off to slow starts this season. That's going to do it for us here this morning. We'll be back Monday uh, with another edition of the Wake Up Call. Here's some Bob Seger on the way out, a little her strut. Why not? Because I'm going to strut my way out of the studio. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to the Wake Up Call on Sports Country.